I find that my favorite characters are all chaos. I just, the chaos is something I relate to, an agents of chaos. And I realized this particular episode that that's true. That's true of me. I'm just drawn to the chaos. I You're appreciate the- chaos. You're drawn I to the I respect chaos. Well, I'm I'm drawn to the angst, but I appreciate chaos and I respect chaos. That's because you respect me. But I think me. what I do I do I respect you? Yeah, you do. I do. <laughs> but I think what I really love are characters that seem aloof or out there, mm-hmm. but really it's just like this deep and simple wisdom. I can see that. That's what I like. I think I like that because I want to be that. Mm. Like I think, I think when I become old and gray, I want to be that guy who says things that you don't think make sense or are relevant, but then you think about it like a week later and you realize, oh wow, that was—you really had something to say there, I but come, like in a simple way. I come from a family of troublemakers. It's all I've ever seen. I really appreciate yeah. I've had it. dinner at your house. It's scary. <laughs> I I love I love. Being able to see troublemakers grow old and still cause trouble. Like, it shouldn't just be a, a youth thing. Like, there is there is no shame in causing a little chaos. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, and welcome to The Pie Show with your hosts. I'm Colton. And I'm Kelly. And today we're talking about Book 1, Chapter 5, The King of Omashu. Ooh. Omashu. You got me doing the oohs now. I did it that one time, (laughs) and now I'm hooked on it. In this episode, Sokka and Katara must again indulge Aang when he drags them to the Earth Kingdom city of Omashu. Another favorite haunting ground of his youth. Haunting ground? Why did you write it like that? Because that's what Netflix says. I mean, (laughs) stomping ground sounds more natural. Another favorite stomping ground of his youth. Like, that sounds more youthful and jubilant and fun. We're not haunting, we're stomping. But, I mean, Aang's kind of like a ghost. Like, he should be dead. It's been a hundred years, and everyone else is gone, and he seems really, like, out of touch with this world. He almost is like a ghost, and he floats. I am not prepared to have the Is Aang Actually a Ghost conversation. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying haunting, I think, works here. I like this episode. Do you like this episode? I love this episode. I feel like this is the first episode where we just get unbridled, unabashed fun. Yes. Everything's been so heavy. There are heavy moments, and it was heavier the first time I watched it, but mm-hmm. rewatching it, the whole episode is fun. It has no teeth for me the second time. This is the first episode I feel like reminds me this is a children's show. There was a very like clear-cut, like fun element. And there's a lesson at the beginning and a lesson at the end. And it has that very, like, mountain peak. I can see the beginning. I can see the height. I can see the end. And the beginning and the end have the same message. And, like, even the same wording. So, I don't know. The second time around, the third time around, the fourth time around, it's just fun. Yeah, I was I was really surprised because I do distinctly remember that the first time around it was not this much fun mm-hmm. there there was a darkness to it there was a, a sense of foreboding to it but this time it was just i was just riding down a shoot the whole way just having a ball 
I could see how the first time it would seem so scary, especially because this is the first city we're introduced to. This is Saka says there are homes that don't melt. This is this is it's looming over them. It's populated. They've only been in like sparsely populated areas or unpopulated areas. This is people. This is bustling. And so I like how you said, you know, the they're just shooting, you know, going down the shoot. It's so fun. But the first time you're like, oh my god, like this this is a big scary city, and you're just goofing off. Yeah, it's it's population, it's people, and it's a lot of stuff we've never seen before. It's so many firsts. It's a lot of stuff that Katara and Sokka have never seen before. It is brand new information. And weirdly, brand new information to everybody except Aang. Aang, who's been getting the first few episodes of like, like there's a war, there's barely any waterbenders, there's no airbenders. This is the first time where Aang is in the know. Which is really cool. Yeah, we get to see him show off a bit for his friends. Yeah. I could not get over this setting. I thought it was just so cool. And it had kind of the elements of the Southern Air Temple, but it was the exact opposite because there were people, it was bustling, it was it had defense systems, and there was an energy about it and so i think kind of the it still had the same colors and kind of shape as the southern air temple but there was a life about it i never made that connection that they're the southern air temple and omashu are both like giant pyramid structures i wonder if they're almost like sister cities because we get the a flashback of ang visiting omashu before before when he you know free iceberg so i'm wondering if it's kind of like the sister city type of thing i mean that would make sense you imagine that in a more connected world where there's not a hundred year war in progress that the earth kingdom those people are probably the builders Mm-hmm. When you can, with your with your body and with your mind, shape and mold the earth, you probably are pretty set as far as construction goes. Yeah. We have a couple things from the last episode that we would like to revisit. So I realized that if we're going to be talking about Calls to Adventure, and this is a rewatch podcast, uh, we're aware of things that happen later on. And there's something that I totally forgot last episode is that Kyoshi Island is not just the, is a call to adventure for another important character, which is Suki. And when Suki comes back in the series, she specifically says that having the avatar and his friends come in and help save her village from the Fire Nation and having the Fire Nation there, it was a call to action for the Kyoshi Warriors. They made a point of joining the Earth Kingdom in the battle against the Fire Nation. They have stayed out of this war for so long, but having that spark, having that bit of hope was calling to them to get out and take action. And I just, I I feel we got to appreciate that that episode, while it was fundamental to Sokka, it was fundamental to Suki and Kyoshi Village, Kyoshi Island. The Kyoshi Warriors? The Kyoshi Warriors. They became a part of the world again. I love, I, I genuinely adore how you cannot talk about one part of Kyoshi anything without talking about how all the other parts are affected. Yes. It just exists in your mind as this singular massive unit of interconnected storytelling (laughs) to me it does because there's so much history behind it and i feel we'll find that in in other places but i think this is the first one where it had such a strong sense of community early on i mean the, the southern water tribe is so 
is is divided and a lot of people at war. They're very sparse. And, you know, the Southern Air Temple is, you know, unpopulated. And so we come to, (laughs) I mean, that's a nice way to say it is unpopulated currently. Um, But Kyoshi Island is its own little bubble. It's living in the bubble. And the Fire Nation comes in to chase down these outsiders. And instead of just trying to stay in their bubble after the Fire Nation goes after the Avatar again, they decide to stand and fight with those outsiders. They decide to make their mark. They're going to get back out into the world. If you could live anywhere in the world of Avatar, you'd live on Kyoshi Island, wouldn't you? Oh, oh, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be one of my tops. What about you? I'm curious. Where are you staying? Avatar timeline or Korra timeline? Avatar timeline. Korra timeline's a completely different area. I just want to live in Republic City. I, I know. I know. That's why I said... That's why I said... Avatar timeline? Uh, either Omashu or Ember Island. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Or maybe in one of the air temples all by myself. <laughs> uh... Another note of follow-up from two episodes ago. When I was putting the show notes together uh, for episode three, the Southern Air Temple, Mm -hmm. I was looking for a link for the original post of the Gyatso fan theory. Yeah. And in my searching, I found a different Gyatso fan theory. Ooh, tell me. That I love. Tell me. And I'm watching it with this in mind now, and I'm convinced, and you're going to be convinced too. Okay, go. Momo is the reincarnation of Gyatso. Hmm. Is, is that it? Is there more? Is there backup? That's it. That's it. Oh. I mean, there's, there's backup. I didn't read it because I was looking for a different theory. <laughs> so maybe we'll need to do a second follow, a follow-up follow-up segment yeah. where we talk about Because for me, that's kind of far off right now in my mind. That, 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 feels a little, that feels a little bit of a reach. But I'm willing to hear I'll, it I'll out send because you, this is like my millionth rewatch and I'm willing to hear it out. I'll send you the post and I'll put in the show notes for this episode. Go rewatch episode four. Okay. Before you watch five. Or rather, rewatch five before you watch six. Okay. Because Momo gives Boomy a couple looks. And there are some things later on where like Boomy's like, you're missing the most important member of your group. Where's Momo? Where's Momo? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, it's going to take all of you and Momo, of course. And Momo, like, of course. Okay. All right. I'm, I feel like when Boomy speaks, we should listen. I'm open to it. I am not at the I will fight you on that stance. I am open to it. Please don't fight me on it. I am not prepared for that <laughs> fight. I vastly underestimated your ability to fight. I am pulling a Zuko here. <laughs> Colton. Kelly. A first that we see here is how bending can be a part of everyday life. And I love it. Because prior to this, I feel like we only saw bending as like either like a fight or play thing. We see it used in, you know, the firebenders are fighting. Katara uses her waterbending to fight. She's she's even like when she's practicing, she's practicing fighting stances. And Aang is mostly for play or even his fighting of like throwing cakes and stuff. That's really all we've seen it for. Earthbenders use it in everyday life. They have shoots a mail delivery system. They use it as part of their gates for even letting people into their city. They've built things. And this is the first time we're seeing that functionality of bending. And I love the fact that we can see a culture built within this. We didn't get to see this with Kiyoshi because there weren't really there weren't really earthbenders. But now we get to see how bending can build a thriving community. Yes, but also I think there's some clear implication earlier that bending is used for non-combat activities. I, I mean, the Fire Nation has metal warships. 
That's steel and iron, and those ships were clearly made in a forge of some sort that is probably powered by bending. The Fire Nation so far has been the only group that we see with large metal structures like that. But we don't see them actually using their firebending to build it yet. And I, we don't see that for a long time. We don't see the functionality. And this is where I, I see, this is why I say this is just the first time that we see the functionality. We'll see it later when we get to the Northern Water Tribe of, you know, how they use their bending in everyday life. But this is the first time where we've seen it really integrated into a culture, into a way of life on an everyday level. So far, our interaction with the Fire Nation has been warships, has been soldiers. Here, we're just seeing a simple mail delivery man just trying to get packages on time. That's true. I do really love the mail system. The mail system's so cool. I feel like I... it's the Avatar world of pneumatic uh, tubes. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's right where my brain went the first time I saw the episode. And again, this time. <laughs> I want to ride that. like. I want to sit in one of the sleds and go. That looks like so much fun. That looked terrifying to me. And it looked terrifying to me from a non-bender standpoint because Aang can, you know, airbend them to get back on track. And Boomy in the flashback, you know, he has the ability to shift the chutes, move the cushion their fall in any way from a non-bender or a waterbender or a firebender? Like, holy crap! That's terrifying! You have no control over where that thing is going. You just got gravity! It goes forward! Yeah! But as, as, the, as the gang proved, it doesn't always go forward. You can, like, you can tip, and there's also other things that are going down those chutes, too. Well, the I spears? submit that the gang... The gang's fatal flaw was when they didn't just sneak onto a cart that was already going to do its thing. They went, they got their own cart, and they tried to do their own thing. Mm. But the system looks clearly like it's designed to be operated somewhat centrally on some sort of interval. They're the ones messing up the works. If they That's had just fair. crept on board, I'm sure everything would have been fine. I don't know. Those spears could have been stored any other way than pointing straight forward. Oh, definitely. But those spears were wooden spears and with, you know, metal blades. They're sharp. Yeah, they're sharp, but they're not going to withstand a crash is what I'm saying. Those spears mm. are getting to where they're going unharmed mm. because they're operating inside the system. If the gang had done so as well, they probably would have had a better ride. Okay, I hadn't thought of that before. It's their little bit of chaos. Yeah. They're not mailing themselves. They're hijacking a mail truck <laughs> and going on a joyride. Okay, I, li I, I like that analogy. I like, okay, that makes sense to me. <laughs> if they had mailed themselves, everything would have been fine. I've got another first, Colton. This is the What's first the time first? they decide to disguise the Avatar. Old Man Aang. Old man Aang. He finally looks 112 years old. <laughs> I like old man Aang. I like it too. I like the I... guard who gives Sokka crap for not carrying Aang's bag. <laughs> How dare he? Also, Sokka that... totally thought he was going to get caught and then, oh no, you're just getting a dressing down for not being a better person. Katara looks responsible enough. <laughs> Keep an eye on this old man. Did you catch the name that Aang gave the guard at the Omashu gate? Uh, Pippin Patfootopful Offices. I can't, I can't. What was it? Go ahead. If you wrote it out. I put you on the spot only because I wrote it out with such glee that I was going to put you on the spot <laughs> later. And now I have to actually go about saying it. I did not think this through. <laughs> Pippin Patalopsicopolis. Pippin Patalopsicopolis. Bonzu Pippin Bonzu Pippin Patalopsicopolis the third. Ooh. That is a name. Honestly, as a rewatch, 
I think that is probably the best fake name that Aang has ever given. Oh, definitely. Like, that might be down. the best fake name of all time. <laughs> Did you catch Katara's name? I didn't, but I love that she picked up on the last name real quick. That is that is some simpatico. That is they got each other's backs already. They're doing bits. I love it. Bonzu and June, Pippin Patalopsicopolis. Amazing. I just need to shoehorn that last name in as much as possible this episode. I learned how to say it, and now I need to get my money's worth. <laughs> this is the first appearance of the Cabbage Merchant. His cabbages! My cabbages! You know what, Colton? I want a cabbage count. I want a cabbage count for every time we hear my cabbages. We heard it twice in this episode? I thought it was three times. We hear it at the gate. Heard it at the gate. Then we hear we it during it. the shoot scene. Yep. And then there's one more towards the end. There is one at the end. Yep. So that's three right off the bat. Also, I didn't realize that the Cabbage Merchant appears so early in the series. I knew that, but I just watched it, so I have the advantage there. Yeah. But I didn't realize, I didn't remember, I guess, you know, I realized because I watched it, but I didn't remember that they made the meme in the first episode doing it three times. Mm-hmm. You got to cement it with the third time. Rule of threes. How about that? Rule of threes. Get it in there. And I will almost certainly be bringing it up. Every time we get in my cabbages. Also, I know the whole joke is that, like, you know, every time Cabbage Merchant sees Aang, he's like, oh, no, my cabbages. But the first time his cabbages are destroyed, it's not Aang's fault. Aang just happens to be there. It's that guard. So I, I want to put out there that this Cabbage Merchant has had problems with multiple people that is not just the Avatar. Nobody likes cabbages. Aang gets a bad rep. That's what I think. So do we want to go into talking about Boomy? I feel like that's that's going to be the meat of the episode right there is talking about Boomy. I love King Boomy. He is a mad genius and he is a beautiful chaotic goon. I love him so much. There is such an energy. We don't even know him as King Boomy yet. We just know him as Child Boomy first. And I love that. But you also I'm surprised I didn't recognize Boomy the first time from the flashback to the old version, because he does have really distinctive traits, like the one squinty eye and the chipped tooth. Like, there are distinctive traits, but for some reason, I did not put two and two together. I feel like the very first time I watched it, I thought, ah, this must be a relative of Boomy's, because the hundred-year difference. Yeah. That was my, that was my first thought then. Um, so it was really surprising to me i definitely on the first watch through thought oh this is boomy's kid or grandkid or something because of that hundred year difference mm-hmm. but i was like this is this person is a descendant of that kid yeah and that's gonna be the thing of this episode yeah it's like my dad told me so much about you type of thing yeah and no that's not what happened no I remember you is what happens. I love that Boomy's hair looks like Aang's fake hair. That's that's what I noticed. <laughs> it looks like the fake hair when Aang's trying to be a really old man. That ends up being Boomy's true old man hair. I have a question for you about Boomy. Okay. When do you think Boomy first recognized Aang? I think almost immediately. You think because right off the bat? Right off the bat. And here's my logic. King Boomy... He tells everyone else, he tells himself, he tells us that you need to open your mind to the possibilities. And so, yes, it may be improbable that that is Aang, but it's not impossible. He's been missing for so long. And if anybody is going to say, oh, yeah, that's my that's my friend Aang. That's Aang. Mm -hmm, I know it. Also, he was caught destroying cabbages. By using, stealing a mail chute and going down it and going for a joyride, which was what Boomy knew him for. I feel, first moment, 
he said, mm-hmm, yeah, no, that's him. That's him. I'm going to play with him. I'm going to play with him so much. He's my friend. And, yeah, that's my thoughts. You, what are, what are your thoughts? When do you think you recognized him? I wrote down the question because I wanted to see if you picked up on the fact that they draw Boomy's face dropping when he, like, he goes down the line looking at the three. Mm-hmm. He gets to Aang and his face drops. Yep. He has it. And so, they show you he has it if you know. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, you think, oh, this king is just surprised that there's an airbender here. Mm-hmm. But once you've seen the episode and you know that that's Boomy, you see immediately Boomy has Aang. And yeah, I agree with you. He is going to play with him. And he's oh, going to yeah. have some fun. Yeah. Which leads to a follow-up question. Go. Do you think that Katara and Sokka were ever in danger? No. It was rock candy. I don't think they were in danger at all. It was rock candy, but they were still getting consumed by it. I don't think they were in danger at all. I think he likes to live life on the edge. He needed to light a fire under Aang. He needed to light a fire within Aang. Mmm. Yeah, ooh, I like that. I think there's a reason why they say his old haunting ground, because Boomy just saw a ghost. Aang is a ghost to him. That Netflix summary is not about Aang. It's not about the group. It's about Boomy. This is someone from his past, someone who should be dead, who he was, t- who he thought was gone forever, and he just appears eerily doing things that they did a hundred years ago together this is a ghost boomy is the one being haunted Mm. i don't think that's what they were thinking at netflix when they wrote that description but i love it it's so much better boomy is the one very briefly telling the story yeah it just doesn't make sense to us that he's telling the story at first because well he's boomy he's boomy And the story doesn't make sense until the end. Boomy gives off some strong energy, and that's all I could think, is that it was was weird carnival music that comes out of, like, a creepy jack-in-the-box, and I loved it. The music is good, and I like how it's whimsical and off-kilter, but Mm -hmm. in a distinct way from the whimsical music that we already have for Momo. It's not menacing. It's definitely more menacing than Momo's music. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it has a sort of haunted carnival vibe to it. Yeah, I love the haunted carnival vibe. And it's definitely, I I think it was more menacing at first watch than Mm -hmm. necessarily it was now at rewatch. Which I just, that's so much of Boomy was so menacing at first. And now it's just playful and fun, and he's just playful and fun. What moment do you think was the biggest contrast for you? Because this was your first rewatch. Like, what moment when you watched it the first time was like, ooh, that's menacing. And this time you were like, oh. That's a good question. I was not ready for that question. (laughs) (laughs) I ask my best questions when you're not ready for them. Yeah. So what was the biggest contrast? Probably that scene at the end of the dinner party where the gang is trying to leave. The guards won't let them. And Katara says, you know, you gotta let us leave. And Boomy's like, let us leave? You're staying overnight with me. Yeah. And then he throws them in a cell. The newly refurbished cell. The newly refurbished cell that used (laughs) to be bad that is no longer... (laughs) They need to rename those cells. (laughs) But yeah, that was so menacing at first. Because, is it bad? We don't know. We're not sure. We don't know that Boomy is silly and whimsical and probably genuinely doesn't know which cell is bad or not. We Mm -hmm. probably think, like, this is a scare tactic. Mm -hmm. And the guard throws them in the room and bends the door away. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. That is... Earth Kingdom doors are so cool because they're not doors. You want a door? Your whole wall is a door. You gotta make a door. That is just... And using that in your prison where you know that 
like you're not putting earthbenders there so they can do nothing. Mm-hmm. That is intense. Mm-hmm. But now I watch that scene and Boomy's just like, I'm going to make a couple of jokes because you're not in real danger. I'm going to let you think you are. Ha ha ha. Here, let's all go to bed for the night. Here are three beds in a room. You get to just hang out together and have a sleepover. Do you feel like Boomy is upset that Aang doesn't recognize him or get it yet? I don't think that that is a thing that would upset Boomy. Mm. I don't think Boomy is the sort to to be upset by the actions of someone else in the way that maybe you or I would. Mm-hmm. I think I think Boomy is at a point in his life where it's not personal to him that Aang doesn't recognize him. Mm-hmm. I think he's just saying, okay, that's that's where Aang is right now, and he might not be there later, but for now he's there. I can have some fun with this if I want to. Mm-hmm. But he just, he still isn't considering all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can use this opportunity to help him learn to consider more possibilities. It's odd to me that this was the first episode, first time when I was rewatching this episode that I realized he doesn't have his name said until the very last possible minute. He holds on to that information. He has just called the king. He's just called your highness by everybody around, which makes that riddle so hard at the end. Hard, kind of. But mm-hmm. this is the first time rewatching it that I realized I was like, huh, he really doesn't say his name anywhere. There are really no introductions. Yeah, no. Things you miss watching the episode too many times over your <laughs> whole life. Yep. See, I still catch little things here and there that I'm like, like, wow, okay, all right, subtle. Because yeah. I was yeah, so I caught think, up in everything else. I think that Boomy and Iroh kind of share that quality of non-judgmental understanding of those around them. I think I found Boomy most relatable when part of like his non-deadly test was, do you like my outfit? Because I feel I play that game in my everyday life. You do play that game in your everyday life, and as your friend, I can tell you, it feels just as menacing when you do it as when <laughs> Boomy does it. That is a terrifying question. <laughs> also, this was just a weird thing, but is this the first time we're really seeing like purple used? Because it looked so out of place to me. Like The full head-to-toe purple outfit seemed really out of place to me, especially when... When I paused it at the time, there he was framed by Katara on one side in her blue water tribe getup and Aang in the other with his air nomad yellows and oranges. And we've seen, you know, Kiyoshi uh, Island was all these greens and everything. This was the first time I felt like we saw like a non-primary color. But this is the first like purplish thing we see. And I feel like that really sets into, I know we talked about setting as a, as a place, but setting as a time because purple dies, that, that takes, that takes, that takes work. That takes putting effort into making that cloth. And I thought that was really interesting. Purple was always seen as the color of royalty and everything. So I feel this is the first time we're getting that touch of that, that touch of class. I know I might be reading too much into it, but it just felt so out of place and odd to me. If you think you're reading too much into it, I am going to make you feel a whole lot better. Because okay. I have a th- I, I, I'm going to explain a thing to you right okay. now. Um, purple has been seen as like the color of royalty in a lot of human history. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, it was very difficult to obtain and make the dye. There's, I believe, a single species of, I forget if it's insect or fish, that you need in large quantities Mm -hmm. to make any level of purple dye. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a lot of effort to collect that much, and it's hard to come by in the first Mm -hmm. place. And then purple being in demand makes it even harder to come by. But, outside of that, in a little bit of animation... Mm-hmm. but largely in video game design purple is often associated with 
corruption, hmm. fungus, or dark magic, things that seep in slowly at first and take over relentlessly.、Ooh. And I think there's maybe not so much, you know, so maybe not so overtly on its face.、Mm-hmm. The understanding of that dichotomy about purple, but I do think there is a level of cultural understanding that purple is often used in these two wildly different, but also sometimes related contexts、mm-hmm. royalty and corruption.、Mm-hmm. No further commentary there. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, the, the writers and the, and the animators really lean on in this episode、mm. because. Boomy is the king, but when we first meet him, we're not sure whether or not we should trust him. Yeah, whether he's good or bad. Yeah, and I mean, purple also sits halfway between red and blue. Ooh, which are the good and bad colors that we've been talking about? <gasps> Wait, that just blew my mind, Colton. Colton, no, you didn't just go there. I just went there. <gasps> Because we spent like a whole episode earlier of like blue and red and good and bad, and now we have a character who's purple and we're trying to figure out if he's good or bad. I'm upset that it took me this many years <laughs> to put that together. I just knew something was different about the purple, that it was odd that he was in purple. But this is, oh, I am genuinely going through a lot processing that. Go watch the end of The Force Awakens. Because Rey and Kylo Ren have a lightsaber fight,、uh-huh. and Rey is the hero, and she has a blue lightsaber, and Kylo is the villain, and he has a red lightsaber.、Mm-hmm. And there's this moment where he's pleading her to join him,、mm-hmm. and he's been saying to himself for most of the episode that he feels pulled to the light.、Mm-hmm. So he's fighting to not go with her while also fighting to. Bring her with him,、mm-hmm. and their lightsabers are clashed this whole time.、Mm-hmm. And so the screen, like on the edge of the screen, it's blue and red, but on their faces, purple. They're both purple. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to revisit that. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars and Avatar Birds of a Feather. <laughs> Cute animal alert! We got some cute animals in this. And so, all right, of course, you know, Momo and Appa are here. Wonderful.、Um, obligatory Momo and Appa. Obligatory Momo and Appa.、Um, we have some non hybrid animals, some canon non hybrid animals. And yes, I said non hybrid because Mustache Cat is a non hybrid animal. I had to look it up. The mustache cat that Momo fights in the male area is like when they're flying yeah, around Aang's head. It's just a plain old cat with a mustache. With, a mustache. with like a mustache and a goatee. I mean, I mean, that's hybrid. Cats don't have mustaches. No, no. people have、in、mustaches. In the Avatar Wiki, it is, it is not considered a hybrid animal, it is considered a cat. They just bred cats with mustaches. It's a cat. Cats just look different. Cats can look different. Why haven't that's similar? Why with, haven't go ahead? Why haven't we bred cats with mustaches? I don't know. But the other thing that is also not a hybrid is the bunny that is mistaken for Flopsy. That's just a bunny. It's just a bunny. So we are now introducing. Makes me happy that buns are ubiquitous. It's we now have examples of non-hybrid animals. Of course, they're small. They're small scale, and they are seen as like everyday type of animals in a way. But my favorite of all the animals is Flopsy. Do you know what Flopsy is a is a hybrid of? Did you look it up? I did not look it、yes. up. I knew you were going to tell me,、yes. so I didn't look it up. Yes. Guess what Flopsy is? What's Flopsy? Just tell me what's Flopsy. Flopsy is a gorilla goat, a hybrid between a goat and a gorilla, and I think those personalities. Perfect for Boomy. His Flopsy's personality is almost all goat. Stupidly strong, stupidly persevering. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, a goat gorilla, a gorilla goat. I love it. Flopsy takes number one for me. I'm gonna go with the bun. With the bun? Really? You going with、It's、fake Flopsy? It's a cute Flopsy? bun. 
It's a cute bun. Those mm. ears. Okay, if we're talking ears, you know, Momo has got the ears. Like, especially where Momo's ears pop out of Aang's fake hair going forward. Momo doesn't hop. No. The bun hops. Momo was a mood stuffing himself at dinner and, like, being so yeah. stuffed that he couldn't get through the little air vent. But the bun is just chilling on that rock, and then he hop. There's something about just a super energetic, gigantic, menacing-looking animal. I love it. Of course you love it. It's a chaos cube. Yeah. So, my top, Flopsy. Your top, fake Flopsy. Fun. You want to talk about these trials? Ooh, yeah. Did you notice anything about uh, the key trial? It's airball. Yes! It's just straight airball. Do you think Boomy realized that? Do you think Boomy set that up on purpose? Like, do you think Boomy had visited the the temple at all or been taught it by Aang? I think Boomy probably visited the temple. I think Boomy probably saw, if not tried to play airball. Mm-hmm. I think Boomy's experiences with Airball influenced the design of that test. Mm-hmm. I do not think that he specifically designed that test for Aang. Really? Explain. I He says when Aang is climbing the ladder, oh, climbing the ladder, no one's tried that. Like, he's given this test to other people. Okay. Unless he's just being Boomy and everything was for if... Aang or the Avatar ever came to see That's what I was him. wondering if you were saying. I was like, do you think he's tested other people to see if they're the Avatar? Because I would it's... imagine that they talk about the Avatar cycle that the Avatar dying he's reincarnated in another generation. So do you think he has tested others in this matter? Or this is just specifically for Egg. King Boomy's super special avatar test TM? Maybe. Maybe. I don't I don't know. I, I had thought, you know, he's he's played kind of this trick on people in a way to uh to to test them in, in means of like if he's trying to find his next general or whatever, if he's trying to, you know, test their mental ability. Um but I didn't know if you were saying that maybe this is something that he's tested with other people to see if there are airbenders still. I I honestly hadn't thought it through that much. Oh, I thought you had. My my initial thought was just like, oh, yeah, this is just, you know, when he needs to make someone do something for whatever reason, be it, you know, maybe that's how they conduct trials in Omashu. I don't know. Maybe it's how... He picks his successor. Who knows? Mm. But, you know, he's used his test for something else before. And I didn't think it was explicitly made for Aang. Maybe he's been working on it his whole life. Maybe he made it quickly in a week ever <laughs> since the statues started lighting up with their eyes glowing. Maybe. And he was like, oh, no, there's an avatar. I got to make my avatar <laughs> test. Maybe that'd be. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Maybe he did. He's like, I got like to imagine that he did. <laughs> even even if he didn't, and it's canon that he didn't, I'm still I'm just gonna imagine that he did. I could see that of just being like so excited. Also, I feel like he would be the only person on the planet who was like, Oh yeah, it's Aang. It's not a new avatar rising. It is just Aang. Like, I feel like Boomy would be the only person that like believed in that. But wait, if he just made this in the last week. He mentions that other people have tried it. I don't think he's lying. I think other people have tried this Yes, I I will agree with you on that. Did he just, like, pull a bunch of Omashu citizens off the street, or did he, like, make his personal guard be like, can you do this? If you can do this, it's not hard enough, because the Avatar has to be the only one. Have you ever just pulled into your boss's office and been like, hey, so here's this spreadsheet. I can't figure it out. So-and-so can't figure it out. You want to see if you can give it a try? And the sheer terror that goes through you... I feel like that uh, was basically all the guards of Omashu for that particular time period of like, oh no, don't let him catch you alone. Don't be hanging out in the communal kitchen for too long because he'll find you. Drag don't you make in. eye contact. Don't, don't make, make eye, eye contact. contact. 
went through it last week. <laughs> just just bring your lunch, dude. I'm telling you, you don't want to go through it. <laughs> that's that's the feeling I would get from that of like of like just like keep your head down. Don't let the boss make eye contact. I do think as much as I love Boomy, I would not want to work for him. No, I would also not want to work for Boomy. There is too much chaos between me yeah. and Boomy. Too much chaos. Although I, I don't. I do like the the like classic fantasy old wizard. Like it's it's almost impish. The whole I'll give you the key, but first you must answer these riddles three. <laughs> yes, it is. It feels so very like the Fisher King type of thing. Yeah. I got that. I got that vibe. I was wondering, like, what's the, like, besides, you know, releasing the friends, what's the big prize? Like, is it, and yeah. also, is it a prize or it is, is it a punishment? Like, now that we've discovered you're the, you know, you're the avatar, like, this is just going to be a long, drawn out thing. Because, again, maybe can't tell if he's, you know mischievous or malicious yet mischievous or malicious Ooh, i like that so do you remember your first time watching this episode yes did you try to figure out the puzzles oh yeah as you were watching yes and i think the funniest part was i was really stumped by the riddle at the end by like the my name one i was Mm -hmm. stumped and i was like mad at myself for being stumped i didn't get it and i was like that's mean i'm like oh he wants to like he's gonna finish him like i i don't know it was really odd i didn't put the i didn't have the context of this is a child's game i same as you thought it was you know this this mean old man putting him through things evil wizard in the tower yeah with, you know, Sokka and Katara's damsels in distress. <laughs> Sokka does make a wonderful damsel in distress. He does. So many times. Especially because, like, Katara's keeping her cool as, like, the creeping crystal's happening. And Sokka just falls right over. Also, creeping crystal. That stuff is so cool. I kind of wish we you saw more cool, of it. You say cool. I say terrifying. I wish we saw more of it. Because... Then at the end of the episode, when he breaks it, he breaks it with bending. So what is involved in that creeping crystal? Rock candy. I know, but like that he like he can bend those geodes. Rock candy. Yeah. Emphasis on the rock. Mm. Why do you think his teeth are like that? Do you think he just has teeth like that? No. Oh. Mm. His teeth didn't used to be like that. But Actually, no, his teeth were like candy. that at, at the beginning when he smiles. He's got the chipped teeth. Because kids don't eat candy? No, when, when I... Your argument is that kids don't eat candy? No, no. I was, I was saying his teeth have always been chipped, though. Yeah, he chipped his tooth when he was young. That's fair. But I feel like... Chewing on the I rock candy. I very much feel Creeping Crystal is, like, the reason why we don't see it in other, like, seasons and in the rest of the series is that i feel like this is purely a boomy thing i feel like this is purely (laughs) like boomy's like crack crack genius uh this is boomy's genius creation of rock candy that he has been tinkering around with since he was a kid who knows that creeping crystal might not is that where omashu's riches come from i don't know but that creeping crystal might not even be like creeping on its own if we find that he can smash it himself. You think Boomy was making the crystal creep? He could have. We we know that he we learn not not just in this episode but throughout the series that he is an incredibly mastered bender that can bend elements bend, bend anything earth with like a wink with a twitch so who's to say that creeping crystal is actually doing it on its own. I hadn't considered that. That's what I started to consider this this rewatch. Because then the whole creeping crystal, he's entirely in control of it. He's just upping the ante with each thing. He's like, oh no, it's growing bigger. Click. Yeah, because it doesn't creep in a way that makes any sort of sense. Mm-hmm. It's not linear. It's not cubic. It's not exponential. Like It, it just creeps. Yeah. It, it seems to creep purely on whatever is the most dramatic. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think geodes have a sense of drama, but Boomy definitely does. Boomy definitely does. Boomy lives for the drama. Lives for the drama. I do like his fight with Aang. I am obsessed with his fight with Aang. I have such strong feelings about this fight with Aang in so many different ways. Especially because this truly displays that Boomy lives by what he says of being open to the possibilities. The stuff that he does with earthbending shows you how versatile it can be. He turns the flat ground into sand at some point. That is something that we really don't see like throughout the series. It's, it was so cool. It's unbelievable. And I really love the, the contrast between his masterful, clearly masterful bending mm-hmm. and what we've seen so far from the Fire Nation. Mm. When the Fire Nation bends, the, the size of their army is so far what's been intimidating. Mm-hmm. Their numbers mm-hmm. and the fact that it's so many firebenders. But Aang hasn't really seemed concerned about individual firebenders at all. Mm-hmm. They look intimidating to us. We see them decked out in their armor with their ships, with their gear. But Boomy has none of that. Boomy is by himself and he is a threat to Aang. Aang sees him as intimidated. Aang is terrified of him. He is ripped. Boomy. He's not even wearing clothes, like a full set of clothes for the fight. He doesn't need armor. He doesn't need shoes. Kids, don't slouch, because seriously, wow. Like, on the one hand, you have the Fire Nation that is trying to be intimidating, is trying to be imposing. And really, our one touchstone for their bending is that Aang is not terrified of them. Mm -hmm. And then Boomy is half naked, and Aang is running for his life. Yeah. Also, Boomy is the first person that Aang has faced that has actually fought an airbender. And he, he, he fights like it. He fights. He knows where Aang is going to move. He can predict him. He calls out that it's the typical airbender strategy to avoid and evade. He knows his moves. And he's trying to push Aang to do something different, to do something outside the box. He knows every trick that Aang is going to throw against him. Yes. Yes. It's like, I know your tricks. Try something different. Because mm-hmm. though it's not, that's not going to cut it. It didn't cut it for everyone, for all the other airbenders. It's not going to cut it for you. You need to work harder. You need, to, not even just you need to work harder. You need to work smarter. He needs to be a better airbender. Cleverness is what airbenders do. I think it's less you need to be a better airbender. I think it's more you need to be a better strategist. You need to see what the enemy is doing, and you need to think outside the box because that the way you're doing things is not going to is not going to find that opening. You need to find an opening and take your opportunity. Right, but we've been we've been saying for a while that airbending is all about, you know, cleverness and outthinking your opponent and, you know, finding those little ways to overcome them without necessarily destroying them. And that's what Boomy is trying to get Aang to do, is more of that. I think Boomy's also trying to give Aang a sense of danger because I feel like he's trying, a sense of danger enough to push him to do something about it. Not just run from it. He can't run anymore. This is not the time to run. It's been a hundred years. You need to step up. This is the time. Yeah. And Hang steps up. Yes, he does. He makes a twister. Mm-hmm. He runs a tornado. This is his big... He takes something and makes it offensive. Redirects that boulder right at Boomy's face. But also he takes he takes something and he puts it to, he takes the thing that Boomy's been using and uses it against him. Now where have I heard that before? <laughs> he doesn't need to know earthbending yet to be able to fight someone with a different style or to fight someone with earth. He uses airbending to bend earth. Mm-hmm. And Boomy forces him to think and to start to think about using multiple elements in conjunction with each other. Yes. This is, I, we, talk, we talked about how 
This is the first time we've seen earthbending, but we've now seen all four elements. And I will be curious to see when we start seeing elements used in conjunction. Like, not just like, not just like him earthbending or him airbending to move the rocks and stuff, but to see, to see him fight along someone, alongside someone like Bumi, to see him fight along someone like Katara, and to see him start to learn the other elements and put them together. It gets me excited for that. Me too. <laughs> along that line, I think it's really poignant that after the fight is over, Bumi pulls Aang aside and he says, you fight with much fire in your heart. Mm. That, to us, is just a, you know, oh, he used that expression, fire, like fire in your heart, fire of passion. But in their world, in Bumi and Katara and Sokka's world, that, that's got to have, as an expression, all kinds of baggage. There's an impact there, especially... I feel like Bumi is still trying to understand where Aang is coming from because they didn't really have like that big talk about, you know, mm-hmm. oh, where have you been for the past hundred years? You hear what happened to the airbenders? Like they haven't had that talk. It's all unspoken. And that fire, we're starting to see that spark in Aang that came from what he's now witnessed at the Southern, um, the Southern Water Tribe, the Southern Air Temple and Kiyoshi Island, we're starting to see that spark grow. I think it's also, just beyond all of that, Bumi doing the difficult thing of setting aside the past hundred years of his life and speaking to Aang in a way that will hit home for Aang, who is still very much living in the past. Mm -hmm. Aang comes from a time where fighting with fire in your heart is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. And I'm sure it's difficult for Boomy to say that, or maybe if he weren't Boomy, it would be. <laughs> I absolutely love the tears in Aang's eyes as he calls Boomy a mad genius, as he says, you know, Boomy, you're a mad genius. And he gets to see his old friend again. And he is not entirely alone in the world now. He has something of his old self. And it made me it made me wonder, do you think part of the reason for Aang's diversions could have been him trying to find something familiar in this foreign world? Like whether it's a familiar place or face or something? Oh like- definitely. <laughs> Wouldn't you do that if you woke up and a hundred years have passed? Wouldn't you instantly start clawing at finding some touchstone, something that you recognize, anything to help keep you grounded? I feel like up until this episode, I didn't realize, up until this rewatch an episode, I didn't realize how much he was searching for it. I had seen it before. It's just like, oh, Aang's childish. He doesn't, he doesn't get it yet. He doesn't get it yet. But this is the first time I'm like, oh my God, he, he is trying to not feel so out of touch. He's trying to find something to hold on to, something to, I mean, there's, there's some way to go and fight because something bad happened to the people you love, but he, we see, is more about protecting those going forward, and he needs something from his past to kind of keep him tethered and keep him going forward. Yeah. I mean, just beyond the shock of everything is different, mm-hmm. what feels like the next day for him, it is a reasonable assumption that everyone he ever cared for, everyone he ever knew is dead. Another haunting case. Another 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 thing in the in in the little cart for the word haunting. I'll allow it. <laughs> Because he's moving through this world like a ghost. He still doesn't feel a part of it. This is all foreign. It's like he's an alien who's dropped onto, like, uh, Earth 2, basically. He doesn't recognize anything. Except for Boomy. Except for Boomy. Finally, he recognizes him, and he feels a sense of home. And some cute animals. Oh, and some cute animals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the cute animals. I feel like that's like an... That's also something he can hold on to is his love of animals 
And I think it must have been even harder for him to go to the Southern Air Temple and have all the sky bison gone. So no wonder he's looking for animals to connect with. Because sky bison, the ones that, you know, he has such a strong spiritual connection with, besides besides Appa, are gone. To his knowledge. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that until I said it, until it was out of my mouth. I did not realize that. Did you make yourself sad? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I, uh, I took that in. I started talking about it, and then I made myself sad. Yep. Oh, my God. He's all alone. <laughs> until this very moment. Yeah. You want to be happy? Yeah, I want to be happy. We happened to hit on a discussion topic earlier that gets brought up in this episode. What? Boomy looks at Aang and says, it is the duty of the Avatar to confront the Fire Lord. <laughs> okay. All right. So we got Grand Grand Score and the Destiny. one for duty over Destiny. All right. So we got Grand Grand Katara for Destiny. And we got Boomy for duty. And responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. That's fascinating. I... We'll be curious to see where that line, which side of the aisle people are on for that as we go through. Is it the Avatar's destiny or is it the Avatar's responsibility? I would love to hear from our listeners on this. Yeah. What do you think? Is it his destiny or is it his responsibility? Do you even see the difference between the two that we are arguing about? Are we we we, nuts? (laughs) Yeah. Are we on base here? I don't know. I think there's a difference between the two. I agree. I think there's a difference because, and I think we said it before with, you know, one is like, you're born to do this. This is what you've been leading up to your whole life. And one is, this is a task among many tasks that you need to get done. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a distinct difference, but we could just be in an echo chamber. So we want to know, is there a difference? And if so, which side you want? Responsibility? Or destiny. Clearly, you're on the side of responsibility. It's the only responsible side to be on. I don't know. I'm feeling destiny. That's spirit journey. If it's his destiny, he cannot fail. And what's the point? It's his responsibility. He doesn't have to do it. He can choose to do it. And if he chooses to do it, and if he fails, the next avatar will have to take care of it. It's his destiny. There's a reason he was stuck in an iceberg for a hundred years. There's a reason why all the other avatars managed to fail at keeping balance beforehand. This has been ramping up for much longer than a hundred years. It's been ramping up for much longer than a hundred years because many of the past avatars did not live up to their responsibilities. So it had to be the destiny of somebody. No, it wasn't. Destiny does not exist in this universe. This story does not have destiny in it. We'll see. I mean, if it's Aang's story at all, if it's not Katara's. Clearly it's Momo's story. (laughs) It's Momo's world. We're all just living in it. And Boomy confirms that. (laughs) I love Boomy and Aang doing doing their shoots down. Like, they finally get their ride. That just... That just filled me with like like chills, just beautiful. Like he he gets to mm-hmm. have that moment with someone he connects with, but also that person who has seen that hardship, who has lived it, who is old and been through it, is still down to have that fun childish moment with him. It's good stuff. I think it's such a contrast between Katara and Sokka, who are the children who are trying to be responsible. And then there is like this hundred and something old man who's like, now let's do it. Thank you for listening to The Pie Show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find our show notes at thepieshow.fm slash five. If you'd like to reach us, you can send us a tweet at The Pie Show or email us at thepieshowpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any friends that are also watching avatar the last airbender or cora i mean or cora that just dropped on netflix we're all watching everything it's avatar week wait by the time this comes out is it still avatar week or is avatar weekend you know what it's always avatar week when we have an episode coming out it's avatar week tell them to go give us a listen yeah if you like it share it with your friends get more avatar content in your life 
talk to us. Give us your theories. We want to hear your fan theories. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to have you. You know what? You can fight me on that. Come on. Let's do it. I have something that just like really hit me this episode. What hit you? So Boomy at the end explains to Aang kind of that he's going on this journey as the Avatar. The world has changed. He's going on it. And that he's going to have to face the Fire Lord someday. Uh Uh-huh. And he says, when you do, I hope you will think like a mad genius. And oh my God, I flipped. Because I spent... Most of Kyoshi Island talking about how influential Suki and the Kyoshi Warriors like strategy and uh, and and lesson for Sokka was so fundamental to his whole journey. This lesson right here for Aang, I find the most fundamental for Aang because he ultimately does think like a mad genius. He thinks outside the box of everyone in the fi- in the final chapter everyone tells him the- this is the only way that you can solve this war and ang puzzles over it over and over again it's like him throwing himself into that waterfall ladder over and over again and finally it hits him what he could potentially do it might be improbable it but we don't know that it's impossible. And this is something that he spends a long time conferring with almost every avatar before him about what he should do. And in the end, the most influential piece of advice he gets is from Boomy in this episode that you got to think outside the box. There is always another way to come at a problem. There is never just one way. I love it. 